Hello, and welcome to Captain Podcast, brought to you by Mixed in Key. We are a podcast that discusses music technology, software, and any music news that interests us. At uh, the time, we'll have some special guests, but today's just me, myself, Isaac Sprintis, and my co-host, Adam Hignell. Hello. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I am good. Um, I was thinking, since it is our first podcast... We should tell the audience a little bit about ourselves and what we do and the music we make. So you're first. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm Adam. I'm the token Brit. Uh, and uh, I make music under the name Don Daglo. Uh, and I also answer some of the uh, tech support emails that we get into the uh, Mixed in Key Lab. Uh, so I may be familiar to some of our listeners already under those guises. And I mean, I think you're being very humble. Also, you've made a ton of music over the years. Uh, yeah, and I've DJ'd made a lot of music. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it hasn't all been good, but I've made a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's for us to judge if it's good. <laughs> no, I think it's for <laughs> God to judge. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the critics, but maybe God. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. a critic these days. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and what about um, yourself? Who, who are you, Isaac? So I'm. I'm a musician and a composer for film and TV, mainly having done a lot of reality TV uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked on everything from from The Amazing Race to oh, yeah. uh, to let's see to Wicked Tuna, and oh. even I've had stuff on Top Gear and other stuff like that. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, but uh, these days I am the product manager at Mixed and Key, and I worked with the entire software team and management to determine what is being worked on at any given time and what our priorities are for software coming out and updates coming up. Yeah, you make the so, boat go faster. I I juggle the parts on the boat. Yes, I don't know if that's a yeah. mixed. Is that a mixed metaphor? Probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, just to start off, we had Nam not too long ago, and was there anything that caught your eye? Anything you want to buy? Anything that interests you? Um, there were a couple of synths that caught my eye, though. There's an Argon from Modal. Um, Modal synths have mm-hmm. done an Argon desktop uh, eight-voice wavetable synth, which uh, looks and sounds pretty amazing uh, and actually is, is quite good value. So I, I don't know what it is in dollars. It's 500 pounds. Uh, in English money, nice. uh, and that's uh, it. Looks well, it's tempting. It's very tempting. Uh, and there's also at the other end of the spectrum um, a, U, uh, a Uno or Uno. Um, is it is it on a Udo? U D O. I don't know what the name of it is. I have completely forgotten. But it's a very interesting beast. It's a binaural six or twelve voice analog sixty one key uh, synth with sort of. Uh, pretty, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary sounding and the binaural thing is really cool. It basically makes each sound, uh, if, I'm, if, I, if I understand it correctly, which I probably don't, I think it makes each sound split itself uh, or potentially the, or the voices from, from uh, can either be 12 voices or you can have a binaural mode where you've got six voices on each side of the stereo signal, uh, which really? can be like kind of manipulated individually so you've got this like insane huge i mean the, the, the pads it makes are just bananas huge um 
That sounds amazing. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's got a pretty eye-watering price tag, unfortunately. But I mean, it, it's probably <laughs> worth it. But two and a half grand is um, out of my range for sure. Oh yeah, but I mean, it does look amazing, and yeah, I mean, for the right person, for the person using that as their sound. It's worth it. Absolutely. Well, you, sure. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're using it in a studio, you, you you might find you don't really need anything else. Um, for mm-hmm. I I tend to tend towards synths that can be used live as well because I like to perform with synths and stuff and just kind of um, make stuff up on the spot in front of people. So it wouldn't nice. necessarily work for me. But um, but on the on the live front, did you see that Moog or Moog as we say in in the UK, they've released the Sub Twenty Five. Have you seen that? I did not see that. No, yeah, that's no. quite interesting. Uh, just so less, like less keys, basically, less keys and a, and a, oh. and a really nice um, preset recall mechanism. So basically, it just means that the sub thirty-seven got about two hundred quid cheaper, which is uh, making it a bit more affordable for lots of us. I mean, if you're going to use it with MIDI, if you're going to just yeah. throw it in, because it because the sub because they have a USB out, right? Yeah. So if you're controlling it with your computer and using it with MIDI, you know, the smaller range makes no difference, right? No, exactly. No. And of course you've got mm-hmm. octave controls and it's basically a mono. So I think it's got a duo mode, but it's a mono. So you're going to be playing bass lines. So how many keys do you yeah, need? Yeah, but if you actually, and you know, I mean, two octaves is really not that bad. 25 keys is, you no. know. No, not at all. I mean, and it, it's for bass mm-hmm. lines. So... Mm-hmm. You know, how, how how many octaves does anyone need for a, for a bass line? Yeah, I, should, I mean... That's a, that's a genuine two, question. Three. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you need three octaves. Three octaves, yeah, three fair octaves. enough. Yeah. I can go with that. Yeah, yeah. but you know, that's just taste, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, for me, what stuck out was the ARP, the, yeah. uh, which looks insane. Mm. It mm. has a huge price tag, but it's like mm. beautiful... You know, it's it comes in the original case. It's got casters. It's really heavy. It's well made. Mm, yeah. They added in MIDI, which is a beautiful thing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and supposedly it's just a lot more stable and in the back end. But overall, um, you know, am I gonna fit that into my studio, or am I gonna keep using the VST emulation? Yeah. I or know. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but are you gonna be tempted by the Behringer? Uh, their sort of series of, of uh, I don't want to use the word knockoffs, but they're um, what do you call them? Clones, I suppose. Tributes, but they've, they've done a tributes, they've done an ARP twenty six hundred, and um, yeah. By all accounts, it sounds very nice, and it's I, I, three, three or four hundred quid. Yeah, I would. I mean, yeah, I would absolutely be tempted by it. You know, yeah. the their their Moog one as well. You know, I've not heard a difference between the two, and I've I've seen them together. So. The Crave. No, the Model D. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah the Model D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I did. You didn't hear a difference. I I don't know. Maybe it's um, confirmation bias, but I thought I did hear a, a little difference. The filter, um, the the Moog filter sounds sounds. I, I think if anything, it's the the pot or the potentiometer, like mm. the curve on it, the linear yeah. curve in terms of the change on it yeah yeah that was that's for me yeah but generally i didn't hear the difference no it's really really close it's and it's really i mean it's fat it's proper analog Uh, i've Mm -hmm. just actually a few days ago um they only just came to the uk uh but i've just got the crave which is behringer's um clone of the mother 32 
which is obviously a more modern um, Moog or Moog. Yeah. But it sounds absolutely amazing. It really sounds, to me, as good. Or if it's not as good, it's marginal to the Mother 32. Um, which it's, it's just, it's never going to be as sexy as having a, a, a Moog. But it is, I mean, I'm already just having so much fun with it. And it's just, just, yeah. It's basically you know, the same thing. It's basically this, basically yeah. the same. But my my point of view on that is, when someone listens to music, they mm. don't they don't know what brand no. of synth you used. You know, no. Like it's forever. Like Steve Ray Vaughan, who is this you know iconic, legendary guitarist, right? One of the yeah. great, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of guitarists, he's on there. Yeah, you know, probably right, probably yeah. towards you know third or something. Right, but but the guy like he, he made famous this one guitar pedal, right, called right. the Tube Screamer by Ivanes, and everybody just re, you know because he had a vintage guitar and vintage amps and stuff. Everybody yeah. assumed he bought the original. He had the original one called the TS eight hundred eight, right, which was it, could, it was no not at all true in any way. He had the cheap like latest version that Ibanez was making in the plastic right. box. He had the one that would cost 20 bucks instead of the one that cost $200. Yeah. And it was this thing that people didn't realize until like five, 10 years ago. And yeah. all of a sudden those little cheap plastic ones are now worth 200 bucks. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, nobody knew. They were really happy to pay for the expensive one yeah. at the time yeah. that they thought that it made the difference, you know? So yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's part it's partly it's placebo effect, isn't it? I mean you you mm-hmm. you feel like because you've spent money on gear or plugins or something, you feel like it's going to make it motivates you in a way to make better music, perhaps, uh, or you feel like it must be better as a result. It's not necessarily true, but I also don't think it's harm. I don't think it's harmful. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, whatever makes no. you, it's it for for most people, you know, even people in the industry, music is like still a part-time part of what they're actually doing and you've got to enjoy it you've got to love it and you've got to be you've got to be thrilled by it and sometimes i mean i get thrills from buying gear um and it may never be uh, entirely cost effective um mm-hmm. it, but it's it's a it's a passion it's a thrill and it, i think it always should be yeah i mean i yeah i mean we obsess over gear right yeah totally <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> yeah. How yeah. long? My I poor mean, wife, man. She the way she uh, looks at me when I'm talking about this stuff. She's like, "Oh my god, here we go again." But yeah, it's a, it's an obsession. Yeah, it's like a, you know, she'll ask, "What are you doing?" And I'm looking at through Reverb.com on my phone. Just yeah, things I can't afford. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah exactly. Or things I yeah. shouldn't be buying at the moment. Yeah. Well, I'll but, I'll run through and I'll go. Oh my god, I've just discovered like a really cool way to sidechain like this through the. I've got a TRAS and I'm playing with the sidechain stuff and I'm like I'm like, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, speaking of all this, I I had this conversation with um with a guy named Frank Sicaro the other day. Right. And he's a mixing engineer. He worked on a bunch of famous and iconic albums. One of them, which is Back to Black, Amy Winehouse. Uh, yeah, okay. I do feel like the name's that. familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And what, one thing that he was telling me was at that time, they had a good microphone. They had a good um, kind of a good pre 
you know? Yeah. Um, but besides that, he was running into a Digi 002 into like a standard Mac with some, mm. you know, five inch, five inch Mackie speakers yep. on like a glass desk from Ikea. Wow. Like, yeah. that's yeah. how they were tracking that stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's the same. It's like, you listen to that and you think, oh, of course this was recorded in, you know, Oceanway Studio mm. with this mm. incredible signal flow and all this. But even back then, it, it was it was not and uh, not all of it and you're you're just you, you say to yourself is that needed what's needed to make a great record yeah you know it's such a fascinating question um yeah i, I mean it's it makes me think of um of of, of our meetup we had uh, last year we, we went to amsterdam and um we did a day in a studio and that studio mm-hmm. was probably worth like, I mean, I think the piano was worth more than my house. You know, it's like mm-hmm. these things, like it was, it was just a, a paradise of audio treasure. Just everything you look at is like a legendary piece of equipment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a genuine Rhodes next to a genuine Hammond next to a, I don't know, Steinway piano. And, you know, um, just whatever I'm thinking of, so I've made Space Echo and the desks and just everything. And you think... yeah. Well, I mean, that's incredible. And just to be left alone to play around in that, in, in there, I mean, you'd be happy. You'd, be, you'd, you'd, you'd never want to leave. Um, but you, you know, what's the future for, for, for those kind of studios? Because they're not, they're, obviously, they're not cheap to hire. And, you know, as you say, so many things these days can be done on much, much more of a budget. Yeah. I, I'm, I've become a bigger believer a hundred percent that know what you have, know mm. and you learn how to use it really well yeah. to the best of your capability before buying extra hardware or software. Yeah. yeah like absolutely. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, you should know, like you should know the ins and outs of the compression within logic or yeah. Ableton or whatever you use before you buy a third party compressor. Yeah. Because well, I couldn't agree everything more. You learn. I, in fact, I, I, I actually wrote uh, an article uh, basically with that exact premise. Uh, it's on our Captain Plugins wiki page, mixedinkey.com forward slash captain dash plugins forward slash wiki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> get, get out there. Uh, yeah, we, we write a lot of articles on various aspects of the production um, flow or mm-hmm. de- bit of DJing and stuff as well. Uh, and one of the things that I, I wrote was about how you choose um, choose third-party plugins. And basically the premise of the whole thing was, like, don't until you know how to use what you've got. You're exactly right. Um, because mm-hmm. it, you can have £10,000 worth of plugins that you don't know how to use, and you won't make better music than with the stock plugins if you know how to use them really, really well. It's, yeah, it... it when you're starting out, I think you you hear or you read, oh, this guy loves this plugin. This is this guy's secret. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, plugin. absolutely. Yeah. Of course you do. And, yeah. And everybody yeah. wants a fast track because the learning process is is hard. It's like it's it's frustrating and, and you get stuck on something for, for ages and you think, how do I get around this? I mean, YouTube tutorials have changed the landscape a lot since when I was um, learning. But um 
it's, I mean, we're, all, we're always all learning, of course, but, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the basics, the foundation skills. And, um, you know, it can be a, a, a time-consuming, frustrating process. You know, we wouldn't do it if it wasn't also an awesome experience, but everybody wants a faster way of just, like, getting to where they want to be because everybody wants to be at the stage of just making stuff that sounds really good. But some, I think for most of us, unless you're, you know, kind of genius prodigy producer, um, you need to go through that period of, of fudging around a bit and having things that don't come out the way you wanted them to and don't sound so good. Um, but it's, you know, everybody wants a fast way out of that, but it, it kind of in a way it's like paying your dues. A hundred percent. It's your 10,000 hours that you got to put in, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. In, in, you know, getting to the stage where you can hear the difference between two different compressors or mm. know intimately mm. what a different room sounds on a reverb, yeah. that's, that's a very long, that's a very long time. It is. And it's, it's actually, it's internal as well, isn't it? It's like your ears have to learn to listen Mm -hmm. in ways that they didn't before. I mean, I think that's why, I I think that's why it's important to have things you know how to do and things that you're comfortable with that you know are right. So like, if you know that, this delay on a bus that you, if you know, like, okay, I'm using eight quarter note delays, dotted eights. You, you have these on buses yeah, and, or you have like a stereo widener going into it. And it's a, it's like a trick that you've developed or something you've learned. Yeah. Then keep using it yeah, and, and keep, keep working with it and grow with it, you know? Yeah. Cause like, because, it's you listen to so much music and it's not like the person is using a new kick drum every single song, you know, no, no. like the bands you love, they're generally playing a lot of the same gear throughout the album. Sometimes mm. they change it up, you know, Yeah. but you get a great kick drum sound. It's, and it's the same thing in the box. Like yeah. you get a kick drum you like, save it as a preset, save yeah. it as a channel strip, mm. save mm. your, you know, your configuration yeah and because for me the i like to i need to be able to make music quickly yeah i do not want like i am not a person that wants to waste time setting up my channel strips every single time for my you know for my auxes and my sends that yeah I have set up of course yeah like i want to you know i i want to get into it because yeah do you, do you use templates? Do you have a template that you just load up and, you know, fill with your arrangement? I have a bunch. Yeah, do yeah. you? Yeah. I have, a, you know, I have is, a bunch of templates, and then I also make templates per project. So mm-hmm. um, once I get into a project and I know that I'm going to be working on it for a while, like like a specific TV show, let's say, and, and I need to, I know that I'm going to be doing a lot of guitar-based music yeah. um, with loops or something. Yeah. Um, I might do my first track building it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once I have that set up, I will save that as a template and then I'll just go back to it every time. Yeah. No, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. I mean, this is something yeah. that I actually didn't do for years and years and years. And then when I started to do it, I was like, oh my God, I've been wasting so much time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, within, um, within Logic, and I'm mainly a Logic user, there's... A template, but at the same time, there's a preset for a channel strip that you can yeah. save. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So my, you know, my channel strip f- 
for you know for for my delays mm. might might not change or for like yeah there's yeah. like there's a chorus I always put on a channel strip that I love you right know? which one do That's you use the dimension D uh, it's okay. like a Roland emulation oh nice yeah so that you know that preset for that channel strip might not change but the template can change yeah right? I get it yeah mm. that's a nice feature in logic so on the subject of um, making things at home in a professional, you know, professional grade things at home, kind of brings us on to uh, the woman of the moment, uh, Billie Eilish, who's winning everything at the moment. Her, I was reading that her album was produced in a bedroom with her singing Lying on the Bed. Um, nice. You know, which is kind of at odds with the image of a pop production, isn't it? You know, we we are sort of expecting, like you were saying about the Amy Winehouse um, recording process, you're kind of expecting it to be like controlled to the minutest degree with the absolute best equipment for it to come out like glossy pop music. Uh, but more yeah. and more these days, you don't need that at all. And because I think this is another part to that is that because actually music is changing and sound design is way more important than it used to be. Um, and because sound design in this sort of musical way, rather than just being for like film sound effects, um, mm -hmm. it's being, it's sort of, it's naturally um, something that younger producers are able to excel at. Like the older, the older generation are kind of playing catch up in a way. Of, of, of what, I mean, dubstep is, for me, the, the genre that really started sound design as a musical, um, it's almost as interesting as the music, uh, sorry, as important as the music, if you know what I mean. And I think that, that, that trend has yeah. continued into yeah. um, modern music. And I think young people, uh, younger producers are better placed to, to, to um, kind of run with that idea. A hundred percent. Well, you know, what's interesting with that, too, is, like, think of Ableton, right? Yeah. The sounds in Ableton are not polished, um, the, the default sounds that it comes with. Yeah. And, but they're great sounds, and synths are great. They are. But, the, but compressing them and slamming them, mm. getting to where they sound like, um, like loops or, you know, uh, spectrosonics or, mm. you know. Yeah loop whatever whatever loop library that you you know subscribe to yeah takes a little bit of work takes some production and sound design yeah um and i think that trend of this kind of like production ready slammed uh, you know just ready to go sound has also i think pushed that envelope yeah for everybody to emulate that it reminds me of what's gone on with, um, with like FL studio mm. and, and like trap music. Yeah. These, these hi-hats and all these sounds, these people, when they were just following their ear, they wanted it to sound a certain way. They just, they put a bunch of limiters on it. They yeah. really slammed it, you know, yeah. mm. and it was unconventional. And then it became the sound and then it became the law. You yeah. Know? And then it became like, this is what how we have to do to make it sound this way. Mm. Right. Yeah. And they were following their ear and they were doing what you said, which was they were doing sound design. Yeah. 
with, you know, to make the track. Like that's just as important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it's it's um, it's just a new. Well, not not super new, but it's mm-hmm. been e- expanded on that idea so so much now. Uh, if you're used to um, listening to like electronic music now, modern music, and then you listen to like a traditional guitars and basses band, it's it sounds like a completely different thing. It sounds like it shouldn't be called. They shouldn't both be called music in a way um, because mm-hmm. they're so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? In size and in yeah, yeah. and all sorts of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. sonic kind of the the sonic um, landscape of just y- your average band, and and of course bands used to be um, you know this is the loudest band on the planet, you know, but now this not, it can't get anywhere near the the volume of a dubstep or a trap production or a, you know a DJ playing that kind of music. It just it's just you know yeah the volume wars. The, yeah, the, the loudness the, wars. The loudness wars of the 2010s. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the Billie Eilish thing makes me think about what's gone on just in the last year. Yeah. Because if you think about a year ago now, so we're February 20, 2020. Mm-hmm. A year ago now, Ariana Grande had the top three singles on the chart. Yeah. Like she was yeah. number one, two, three. Extraordinary. Yeah. And and then now we're at Billie Eilish and, and this and mm-hmm. it's like it it's a, it's an interesting it's there's like interesting things going on you know mm. it's cool well, it, it, expand on that well it's it's I think of Billie Eilish as a, a kind of outlier that changes mm-hmm. the audience around her right and um, it's like Jack White to me. Like Jack White, the mm-hmm. White Stripes. Yeah, you know you had like you know pop rock music at that time, and he came in and it was he was really raw when he was on Sub Pop Records. Yeah, and it was just him and her playing drums, and they yeah. made great music. Mm-hmm. And it was it it was something fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And then and then it became mainstream. It became yeah. super mainstream, but they were always still raw and fresh. You know, yeah, and they were still they, he he retains who he is, so so that like that translated and that became a thing, and I think she's similar. You know, she's at top of the charts and pop, but she she is who she is, and it's it's not she's she's like clearing her own path and making yeah. her own direction. You know, so I think we expect that image kind of cultivation to be done by external forces with pop stars though. We don't expect it of bands. We don't expect Jack White to be taking orders from a PR guru or whatever. Um, but we yeah. kind of expect that with our pop stars, but I'm not, conv- I mean, it's hard to say. My wife thinks that that is the case with Billie Eilish and I'm not sure. I think her singing style is, is really unfussy. Um, and you c- could imagine that there would be a temptation to, you know, give it, throw the kitchen sink at it when you're singing, if you feel like you want to be a success. Um, but maybe that's a style, maybe that's a, a sign of the times. We have a much more understated singing style these days. Uh, you know, it's not like Tom Jones and Shirley Bassey times anymore. Um, it's no. the very opposite. But um, yeah. her image is, uh, 
Is that plowing her own furrow? I mean, it's extreme. Um, some of the things that I've seen, I don't feel that comfortable. I think with it. it is. I I think it one hundred percent is because I. I mean, and this this we're just throwing this out there, but mm. um, that image, like you said, she was lying on a bed while singing that. Mm. It, it almost is like ASMR. You know, it's close mic. You can like it makes sense. Yeah, I can. I believe that it was done that way. Yeah, you know, there's a different there's a different thing that's going on now. And which is professionalism is just as important in as the music and everything else. You know, yeah. you show up to a gig now, the bars, the promoter, everybody's that has their money involved. If you're not, not there early, ready mm, to go, yeah. sober, on it, yeah. and like tight, yeah. Why do they want to book you again? You know, yeah. Like, like back in my early days, you could, you know, show up late and be mm. looking however you want and just like, uh, you know, have a bunch of attitude. Yeah. And if the music was good and you brought a good crowd, you're fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're totally yeah. fine. Um, but nowadays you go over your time, you, you mess with that stuff unless you're big and established. Yeah. There's too many options for the promoter and for the, for the club mm. that aren't a headache, you know, Yeah, you want to not be a headache. You want to yeah. be like, Oh yeah, he made it easy. He, they, they yeah. brought a yeah. crowd. They were professional. Yeah. I'm hiring them again. I'm paying them more money, mm. you know? Yeah. 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 I think that's a huge point. I think, um, that there's like famous stories of guns and roses and stuff and two hours later, the audience waiting two hours for the performance. I don't think that would happen. They wouldn't wait anymore. Because they've paid a fortune for the tickets. And this is even for a really established act. You know, yeah. there's, there's documentary footage of Axel Rose turning up and saying, Axel, Axel, where have you been? Where have you been? I was taking a shower. You know, and it's like yeah. that kind of rock star thing that we really did put up with for years and years. I, I, I feel like that's, that's gone now. Um, and at all levels, whether you're huge or um, just starting out, but I mean, even more so if you're starting out, bad attitude will kill your career. Um, mm -hmm. you need to be, um, you need to respect everybody you're, that's around you. You can't go around. I don't think you should go around thinking you're the star or whatever. Uh, even if you do privately, even if you, you, you have a, a, a big sense of your, your own importance, I think that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so long as you're respectful to the people around you, but don't give people an opportunity to say when you're, when you're on stage, be the star. Yeah. Ah, yeah. But yeah. Besides absolutely. that. Yeah. Besides yeah. that, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a trap, I think, um, especially with with things like electronic music and and, and DJing. They can be quite um, solitary pursuits, and mm -hmm. you get really good responses from people. Um, you probably get a better response. I mean, how many times have you seen like a a, a band playing in your local? town and they're getting a pretty lukewarm response and they might be really really good but the dj comes on afterwards and plays a few um, club classics and all those same people go 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 bananas they're dancing you know they're a bit drunker by that point and you can really feel like you are you know bossing it and it you know it's yours um and i think i've seen it happen so many times um i've probably been i've probably been um suspect susceptible to to doing this on occasion when i was younger um, but you do start to feel like you really are um, pretty special. And that's a huge trap. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is a huge trap because you're only special for that little time. Well, exactly. <laughs> and when that's yeah. over, you got to hustle and get the next gig. Yeah. And you got to do better than you just did. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think there's people want, like the music industry's changed dramatically uh, since the time of Napster. And for a long time, it just cut the knees out of the industry. And suddenly everyone could steal whatever music they wanted. Uh, they didn't even see it as stealing. There wasn't even a moral question about it. And the income from sales just radically dropped. And I think that pushed a lot of people out of the industry. At the same time, um, you had this kind of leveling of the playing field we were talking about earlier, where suddenly um, you can make studio grade, professional grade sounding music in your bedroom with limited funds and limited range of, of, of devices or plugins mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, suddenly there was more music than ever before being put out there and less income being derived from it. And I think one of the positive things about that is that the people that were left really love music and they put on shows that are a gamble or they, they put out records that are a gamble with their own money. Um, even the independents um, are up to a fairly reasonable size. It's, they're always gambling and they're, they're, they're always two bad shows or two bad releases away from going under. And I think when you're in that position, um, which is probably the vast majority of the music industry up to that kind of more elite level, you do it for the love and therefore you want to enjoy it and therefore you don't want to repay people who are assholes. That was, yeah, that's a gem. That's 100% true. If you're not going to, if you, if this doesn't keep you awake at night, how much you love it, how much you love music and how much you love this whole act of doing it. Yeah. You need, you should treat it as a hobby or as a side profession because it's, it takes a big sacrifice, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think even if you treat it as a hobby, as a, you know, just, just love it. Otherwise, what's the Mm -hmm. point? Yeah. Enjoy it. And, you know, I don't, I know people on tour Mm. and living this life that, that they were wishing they could live when they were younger. Yeah. Looking up to it. And yeah, it's at a certain point they just want to be home. Yeah. Yeah, And it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, And I know it's, it's like, oh, woe's me. But, um, yeah, DJ's complaining. So yeah, everybody's complaining. <laughs> have you but, seen that? Have you seen that Twitter you, handle? No, I, I'm going to look uh, it up now. Yeah, <laughs> DJ's complaining. It's pretty funny. But I think, I mean, I think the what I'm trying to get at though is like, it's it's you don't get into this for the money. You no. don't you you don't get into making music for the money. Get into making music because you love music, and yeah. then find ways to make money within music. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And you can have a very good life in a hundred different ways related to music. You can teach, mm-hmm. you can write music, you can um, perform music, you can be in cover bands, you can be a DJ, you can yeah. do all sorts of things and yeah. you can make a full living and there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. You do not, it's not a zero sum game. It's not, if one person's succeeding, it doesn't mean that you're not succeeding. Like, yeah, I just, absolutely. I just see it yeah. that way. I just see it that way because there's there's room there's room to make money there's room to make a living with it there is but it will probably not be as lucrative as 
maybe some idol that you're looking up to, or maybe you will be, and that's great. And I, yeah, I it's, hope it's, everybody has that type of success. But. Yeah, of course. But it's kind of a pyramid scheme. I mean, like the, in order for there to be these elite um, guys making all the money and guys and girls, of course, um, there kind of has to be like a, a, an underbelly of every, everybody else just kind of trying their best and seeing what happens. Um, and yeah, you're right. If you're not, if you're not loving it during that stage, you probably won't love it when you get to the top either. That's the other thing. Um, I think it's, it's, it's not necessarily, um, easy. Like there's a big mental health crisis, uh, in music, in the music industry that needs addressing. And I think that, I mean, I remember speaking to, uh, a fairly, um, fairly successful DJ in the UK, uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, from my hometown, um, went on to do some really big things and tour the world and stuff, um, DJ Chiba. And uh, I remember telling him how much how frustrated I was. I really, I want to make it as a DJ. I want to be getting bigger bookings. I want to be touring more. I want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. And he, he kind of, he sort of said, well, are you sure? Because he wasn't really enjoying it. And he had, he'd been working for it for 10 years. He got it and was like, yeah, but I want to be with my kids. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, I think what it's all boils down to, isn't it? What we're talking about is, uh, just l like, make sure you love it and love it for the right reasons and love the right parts of it. Uh, otherwise it might, it might end up being a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, poison chalice. Nice. Yeah. Nice way to put it. I always feel also thinking back on people that I know that have had a lot of success in music, different ways mm. that they have actually, um, they've had a lot of different roles in music, you know? Yeah. They might've worked for, um, a band. They might've played on tour. They might've gone and toured the world and then mm -hmm. they might be working at a guitar store and yeah. then they might, you know, release an instructional DVD or they might teach lessons online and they might teach at a university. Yeah. And all these things, you know, can happen. Right. Yeah. Of course. And actually to, to when I really think about it, Almost all the really successful musicians I know have had those multiple roles, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's rare that a person gets into a role where they have really long longevity and they stay in there. Um, yeah. It's much more common that, let's say in the composer world, it's much more common that you do, you have some TV shows, you might do some movies, and then you might end up teaching a bit more. Yeah. Um, or if you're really lucky, you know, that sustains you and you can stay doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those things can ebb and flow. Yeah. Um, so be flexible, I suppose, is, is, is part of what you're saying, right? Well, if you love it enough, you love all aspects of it. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I think you have to love doing the dirty work. I think you have to love mm. doing the hustling. You have to love doing the paperwork. You have to love a little bit of promoting yourself. Yeah. You know, making a website I, for yourself. I don't know about that. I like yeah. I agree with you completely, and I had so much more hunger for it when I was younger. But that is something that I just I let a lot of that slide now. I just can't be bothered. <laughs> but that's it. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you want this other stuff, yeah, you want to, yeah. you got to kind of you have to put in that work. Yeah, you do. Right. I, I, you do, and and you know, that's just. I think everyone's got their different um, re relationship to that. I love watching the. Um, some of the younger guys coming through, um, I mean, I think one of a really good example of this is, is a guy we've just got to do the, one of our expansion packs for beat, uh, for captain beat Eldre, uh, Eldre, the giant. 
his social media game is phenomenal. Like it's just, it's, it's perfect. Like it, it, it's a masterclass in how to adapt to this kind of, uh, I mean, internet world makes me sound about a hundred years yeah. old, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. the socials are all on point. His image is on point. He's thought about everything, but he also presents a really relaxed image, but he does like his, the, the biggest, um, parts of what he does the how am I going to say this? the most visible the the most seen aspects of what he does isn't necessarily the music that he makes for himself to release as LJ the giant it's uh, his tutorials mm-hmm. he gets hun- yeah. hundreds of thousands of views on some of his tutorials and um he's really successful at that but he also sells beats uh to to rappers he's got loads of production credits through that he also sells sample packs he or you know he he's just it's it's, he also um, has a remix he has a remix with like six million views yeah i mean yeah he's um, but he start he didn't start um he couldn't have started imagining it would go as well as it, it has but he's just played it really smart he's put the time in to the underside the non-creative side um, mm-hmm. but he's been really creative with that he's seen the potential to be creative in the stuff that seems like admin and i i, I really yeah, admire exactly. him for that yeah and he works you know he works really hard but you can also yeah. just tell that he's an incredibly nice guy yeah he's absolutely from, like, that, that, really that comes back to what we were saying before people yeah. want to engage with him because he seems like he'd be really cool to hang out with mm-hmm yeah, it's interesting. Hats off to him. I think he's a great example for anybody out there wondering like what they should be doing to be, to get visible. I think he's um, he's yeah the example. You know, you, there, I'll give you another one. So I would say Eldre's coming up right now. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, and, you can see the know, you can see the velocity yeah. gaining. Yeah, and if and actually because I follow him on social, and we've talked a couple times. He actually just recently. Um, left his full-time job oh, and right, was able cool. to do that. So huge mm. congratulations. I mean, yeah, well-deserved and I wish, you know, years and years of success for him. Yeah. And I, I believe he will be. Another guy to check out is a guy named Daniel Donato, who mm-hmm. is on, um, he's on Twitter. He's on right. TikTok. He's, he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's on, on Instagram. He is, like a much more well-established version of Eldre, like Eldre in a okay. few years from now. Yeah, okay. And this guy makes, all he does is make content and right. play guitar and tour, playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's incredible. Like all he does is he has a green screen room. His like, his workflow is go to the gym early in the morning, practice guitar for a few hours, then make some content with your dad in a green screen room. You know, right. like that, yeah. that's what he does every day. That's good. And it's, it's killer. It's like, I think, look at those examples because the thread between the two of them is they're both really likable. Mm. They're young, they're hustling, and they're finding a way to use the social medias to help yeah. themselves and to give back. Yeah. And yeah, you take I think, those. I, th- I think they're not seeing problems, they're seeing opportunities, which I know is a bit of a corny phrase, but I think it's probably true i think um there I mean, i'm guessing he's he's younger than us as well um i oh, feel yeah. like these guys have grown up with this social media world that we kind of were like we invite we, it happened in front of us and we latched on but we didn't grow up with it as just part of the natural order of things 
So I think they are less intimidated perhaps by um, by the speed of change and by the opportunities that new new things like TikTok or um, Instagram or whatever um, bring along with them. They just see they see opportunities. They see oh I could probably do that or if I did that I bet that would be popular. I bet I could you know do this um, do this do that and uh, make it work for themselves rather than thinking oh that looks a bit weird. <laughs> Don't yeah, do they're it. not intimidated by it. Yeah, it's you're right. It is an opportunity for them. It's a whole industry for them, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, speaking for myself, I was fortunate enough that I was able to find opportunity without that. And I was able yeah. to make music and make a living without ha- uh, having to be a public figure, which is actually not something I'm, I I ne- have feel a need to do in any no. way, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel a need to make music mm. and I feel a need to, you know, socialize and work with others. That, that part, I, I you know, drives me. Yeah. But yeah. it's a, it's a different, it's what drives you. And, yeah, of um, course. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's not the only way, is it? I mean, this is for, this is a good example for people who want to be um, kind of publicly successful. But yeah, there's, as you were saying before, there's just so many different roles within the music industry that, that need to be, fulfilled and performed and and no matter your sort of character makeup or what you want to get out of it um there's there's stuff there's exciting stuff to do in this wonderful industry yeah and so speaking of this wonderful industry um you and i both work for mixed and key we do and let's talk a little bit about captain plugins as our sponsor Good idea yes indeed <laughs> um, we probably should have talked about that a little bit more towards the beginning but we had a nice yeah, chat it was yeah. That was fun. Um, yeah, so, well, what should we say about them? I mean, I think that they, they it chimes in with a few things that we've um, we've already said about wanting the ability to kind of have a faster workflow, to get there faster. Um, and I think, for me, Captain Plugins has done that, particularly with chords, because I'm not classically trained like you. Um, you can play the guitar and the piano beautifully already, and you know chord progressions. But I didn't until I started working for mixed in key. If I played chords, it was literally trial and error on the keyboard. Um, so for me, the ability to kind of, um, you know, just kind of create something a bit, a bit more complex, a bit deeper, um, to create something that I couldn't play. Um, it's been, it's, I think it's a real, real, um, valuable asset in my music. That's yeah. For me, I have a different point of view, like you mm. said, but it's been a big, important asset. What's I use? I use Captain Chords, even though yeah, I can play piano, um, mm. because it makes me think in a different way than my hands think. You know, right? Um, yeah. Everybody has muscle memory in their yeah. hands yeah. for yeah. things you play. There's things you go to. Oh right, your, okay, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And so, like, if me, you, if you play a C minor, you might you just feel naturally drawn towards playing like an uh, I don't know an F minor or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's just things I naturally do, you know. And if I were to, if I open up Captain Chords and I look at it in a different light, mm. and I then I you know I create different music than I would normally make. That's really I kind of see it. I see it as like a. As another person in the room, in a sense, like if you play music with people and you have them around, you you will write differently 
yeah. work differently mm. than if you're working alone. Mm. And, and with Captain Plugins, I'll I will write differently and I will make music that I don't normally make, and that's a good thing. Yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, Amnesiac Radiohead. Um, mm-hmm. They just put the guitars down and went. We're going to go and find a whole bunch of synths and drum machines that we don't know how to use, and we're going to learn how to use them while making some music. And they came out with one of the albums of a timeless album of incredible music. True. And they didn't know what they were doing, but they had a new. They they were they they switched up the workflow, and it made them think differently. So they did something different. So are you guaranteeing that if you like just pick up Captain Plugins, you will make the next Amnesiac? Is that what you're trying to? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Try? Yeah. All right, good. All right, well, there. Get Captain yeah. <laughs> Plugins today at mixedinkey.com. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a bargain, yeah. really, isn't it, if you think about it? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, right now, there's still a promotional place, which if you get Captain Plugins and Captain Beat together, it's $99. $99, and that's, yeah. Insane. That is a lot of plugins for the money. You get Captain Chords, Captain yeah. Deep, Captain Melody, yeah. Captain Play, and yeah. Captain Beat. That's five plugins you're averaging 20 bucks a pop. It's insane. And insane. I mean, yeah. it, it's the only one of its kind where you have generating MIDI, like a MIDI generator songwriting tool that helps you write music that all works in key and uh, make great music. So give it a try. Yeah. Uh, you have a 30-day trial. We will refund you if you don't like it within 30 days. Yeah. So what's the lose? We certainly will. Mm-hmm. We certainly will. Yeah, drop me an email with your VIP code and you can get a refund if you don't like it. We don't ask any questions. Um, but most people don't do that because uh, it really it really does change um, change the, the musical lives of a lot of people, um, regardless of your, your current ability level. Um, I think one of the things I love about it is that it gives me, like as a non-theory, non-classically trained musician, um, I've been releasing music professionally for over 10 years before I got these plugins. And the one thing is, is that I couldn't quite escape this slight feeling. It didn't hold me back, but it was a slight feeling that I'm like, I'm making this up. Like I'm, (laughs) I don't know if this is musically correct. So I didn't feel totally confident with that. My baseline was completely right with my chord progression. Is it, does it sound okay? Yeah, I guess it sounds okay. Like you can be happy with it, but it's really pleasing in Captain Plugins to just, it gives you that confidence that like, you know, how to explain it, where my melody is in key and scale with my chords. My bass line is in key and scale with both of those. If I still don't like the way it sounds, of course I can change it. And if I want to make it out of key and scale, then I can choose to do that. But just to, just to, to not come from a formal background and to feel like confident with that enables me to move on to the next part of my track without spending quite so long double thinking or second guessing. Excellent. That's great. Um, drop us a line at support at Mixed and Key. Put uh, contact, contact at oh, mixedinkey.com. Okay, we can edit that out. <laughs> drop, us a li- <laughs> drop us a line at contact at mixedinkey.com. And in the subject line, please write podcasts and any questions you have or things you want us to cover in you know upcoming podcasts. We'll be glad to do it. Thanks for checking us out and we will be back soon. Have a great day, Adam. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Isaac. Speak to you soon, mate.